evening, everybody. Let's try it one more time. Good evening, everybody. Much better. Let's all stand, and we'll start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Dear Father, I just thank you again for the tonight, Lord. I just pray that you be with each one of us here. If the ones who are not, Lord, look after them. Give the service about honor and glorify you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's all take our hymnals and turn to hymn number 246. Hymn number 246, read D. Read D, Lord, what you proclaim. Read D, Mama, Mama, the land. Read D, Hymn number 259, Jesus saves.
receiving. Would you please stand with me and we'll sing the first verse of Oh How I Love Jesus. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Um, teens are going to go ahead and be dismissed to their classes. Patch is going to their class. Um, so, came to work on Tuesday because Monday, like most of you, uh, was too slick to go anywhere. And so, as boss, I just decided we're closing Shawnee Mission. I told myself I didn't have to go to work that day. I already had my work with me at home, so I did it there. But then I came in on Tuesday and I heard the air compressor, our wonderful air compressor, running, 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 running. And I mentioned Lalo. I said, I, um, I, I wonder if maybe we have a leak. He volunteered to go upstairs. And sure enough, he found the leak. And uh, so he put a patch on it. And then he called me from upstairs. And he's like, hey, preacher, there's water squirting out of this. I'm like, uh, that don't sound good. And so I uh, called... Um, Gerald with um, Alpha Fire, and um, he said, well, give me the numbers off the gauges, and I gave him the numbers off the gauges. He goes, it sounds like everything ought to be fine. He goes, Sh uh, shut down this one valve and open this other one. When I opened the other one, water gushed out. And so uh, the system is somehow uh, filled with water again, and um, what had happened was during the freeze, it broke one of the pipes that ripped it about that far, uh, the ice did. And so uh, we got a little spot again right above the piano. It had water on the piano. I'm just so thankful that we looked that day to, and just didn't let it go. Because if it would have gone another day, it'd probably been, well, just, it would have been just a bigger mess. So if you pray about all that and, uh, you know, that, We'll get it all sorted out and taken care of. That'd be a blessing. Uh, won't be 
probably enough damage to go back to the insurance, and if we did go back to the insurance, we probably wouldn't have insurance by the time it was all over. Uh, so just pray. Uh, God never allows anything in our life that there's not a reason for that, and uh, so we'll just trust God on this and whatever it is he's trying to do, that he'll get glorified through it somehow. Amen? Yeah, preacher. Right. Amen. All right. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20. Be looking at two chapters tonight. This is our seventh lesson in the book of Ezekiel. We'll be in chapter 20 and 21. They are rather lengthy portions of Scripture. So again, I'll be giving you main points and Scripture to go with them, uh, references, and then you'll open up opportunity for you to do a little more uh, Bible study uh, on your own with what we have for you. Um, but Ezekiel chapter 20, if you would, uh, verse number one, you can follow along as I begin there. And it came to pass in the seventh year of the 50th month, of the fifth month, of the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and set before me. Then came the, the word of the Lord unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Are ye come to inquire of me? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Wilt thou judge them, son of man? Wilt thou judge them, because them to, and cause them to know the abominations of their fathers? And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, in the day when I chose Israel and lifted up mine hand unto the seed of the house of Jacob and made myself known unto them in the land of Egypt, when I lifted up my hand unto them, saying, I am the Lord your God, in the day that I lifted up my hand unto them to bring them forth by the land of Egypt into a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands, then said I unto them, Cast ye away every man the abominations of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me, and would not hearken unto me. They did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes, neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them, to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen among whom they were in whose sight I made myself known unto them in, the bringing, in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We're so thankful for your many blessings to us. We pray to God. Uh, that you would uh, hear our prayers as we turn to you. I pray that you'd give us insight and understanding into the scripture tonight. Help us to uh, grasp what Ezekiel is trying to do and how the Lord's using him uh, to instruct uh, your people. And I pray that we might learn from the examples that we see here. We realize that uh, this was all in the past and all taken care of back then, but there's there's things we can learn from it. And I just pray that you would... Open our hearts and our minds, make us receptive to your word, 
And might we grow as a result of having been in your house this evening. We love you and we thank you for all that you do for us. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. All the people said, Amen. And so uh, we come to this outline of uh, section 7. And Ezekiel's warning Israel of the consequences of her sins by physically acting out messages of judgment. So uh, Ezekiel's trying to instruct Israel, look, this is what's going to happen. And as he's instructing them, some of this he's acting out before them so that they can see it. Uh, he's, we know that Ezekiel uses many different ways to uh, purvey uh, God's message to his people. And so during this one, he's physically acting out uh, the messages of judgment. I can only imagine in my mind what that must have looked like. We don't know for sure, uh, but it's what God wants him to do. And so the first thing we see is only two points. That's the good news about the message tonight. There's only two points. There's several minor uh, points with them, but only two major points. The first one is this, Israel's condemnation. Israel's condemnation. And we're going to find that a good portion of chapter 20 and a good portion of chapter 21 are consumed in this one point. So A, under letter one, uh, is the indictments, the indictments. And uh, we've got a, a few of these indictments that we're going to look at uh, tonight as we consider uh, the indictments that God's bringing upon the people of God. So the first one is upon the people. Uh, and we see chapter 20, 1 through 32, uh, verses 45 through 49, uh, chapter 21, 1 through 5, and again verse 24. Uh, Israel's reminded of her constant sinning against God throughout her history. And so, uh, you know, Ezekiel's given them a history lesson. Hey, this is what's happened in the past. And, uh, you know, the sad part is, is a lot of times the past gets relived or reacted upon. And so uh, in the past, uh, you had been involved in this sin. You constantly sinned against God. And I think he's portraying to them that this is where you are again, uh, living in sin and, and just turning your back on God in his way. In, uh, in, under uh, point number one, we have a small letter A. Uh, in Egypt, and this is uh, Exodus, tw uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 20, 1 through 9. Uh, in Egypt, the people of Israel did not get rid of their idols as God had instructed. And so God instructed uh, the people, and we just read verses 1 through 9. God had instructed them to get rid of their false gods, to turn from him. Uh, and here, you know, he's getting ready to send Moses in. He's getting ready to lead his people out. And he's telling them, look, you need to get rid of these abominations. You need to get rid of these false gods. And I, I can't help but think that maybe today, you know, uh, hopefully we're spiritual enough people that we understand that Jesus' return is soon. It's, it's not a, like, you know, for years we've been hoping and looking, but it has to be soon because of all the signs and all the things that are happening. And yet I think there's a great deal of Christians that say, I'm going to go ahead and live my way. I know what the preacher says. I know how he gets up and preaches and what he thinks about it. But I'm just going to go ahead and live my way. It's not really affecting me. And uh, I'm just kind of enjoying where I'm at. I'm not going to let that necessarily change me. And that's what's happening here. Uh, Ezekiel's telling the people, look, you need to get rid of these abominations. You need to turn wholeheartedly to God and walk with him and to serve him. And then we see not only were they that way, that way in the wilderness, 
In the wilderness, the people refused to obey God's law. And chapter 20, 10 through 26 goes on to describe how the people refused to obey God's law and all that God had done for them. As they're out in the wilderness, he had taken them out of the land of Egypt. He had led them into the wilderness. And yet we find that while they're in the wilderness, here's a remnant of people that chose not to go in to the promised land. And so they're living out their generation. And I can just imagine the sin that they continue, uh, that they had been in, in, involved in, and now the sin of rebellion where they wouldn't follow God's leading. And they continue to live in that in front of their children. Uh, but I think also that maybe it was a great testimony to the children of, hey, mom and dad made some wrong choices. They're continuing to live in sin. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to seek to follow God. I, I'm, I don't want to end up wandering in the wilderness for a generation because I refuse to follow God, because I refuse to be obedient. Sometimes I think people think this way, that, well, I'm here where I'm at. I might as well just finish where I'm at. God knows I'm here. I'm in this sin. I might as well just continue in it for a while. Instead of saying, hey, I know that I'm in a spot I shouldn't be. And I need to repent. And I need to get back on track for God. Some people, rather than get back on track for God, says, I kind of enjoy it here. I'm just going to continue to live here. That's the way the people in the wilderness were. There's a, a large group of them. Well, I'm going to die here in the wilderness. I might as well enjoy myself as... We make that trek, and I'm just going to end up dying. I'm never going to get to go to the promised land. I'm just going to continue in my sin and my living. The third thing we see is in Canaan. In verses 27 and 28, they continued to blaspheme and betray God. Verse 27 said, Therefore, son of man, speak unto the house of Israel and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Yet in this your fathers have blasphemed me, in that they have committed a trespass against me. For when I had brought them into the land, for the which I lifted up mine hand to give it to them, then they saw every high hill and all the thick trees, and they offered there their sacrifices, and there they presented the provocation of their offering. There also they made their sweet Savior and poured it out there, their drink offerings. Well, those hills and those trees and those mountains hadn't brought God's people to where they were. That was God's worship. God deserved that. And yet these people, I don't know whether it's that they're thick or that they're just in rebellion against God, rather than acknowledge God and thank God for what he had done and give him the praise and give him the glory and, and give him the offerings, they turned to the trees. They turned to the mountains. They turned to nature. Well, we've got a lot of nature, uh, nature worshipers here in America, don't we? Tree huggers and all those things that go on. Uh, for years, I wanted to go to Colorado and pastor out there. I've always thought it was one of the prettier parts of America that I'd seen. I never was a big ocean guy. I, I just liked the mountains. I liked snow and all those kind of good things. And um, I was visiting with a pastor, a pastor out there, and he told me, well, he said, the big problem is, is that on the weekends, people want to go to their God and worship him in the mountains. And so that's probably why God never took me out there. Not that I would go to the mountains to worship God, 
as a God, but that uh, it would probably be very discouraging how many people would rather do that than to hear about the true God. And so in Ezekiel's time, we find that they continue to sin. And they're not ashamed of it. They're pretty brazen about it. Boy, that sounds like America, doesn't it? Pretty brazen about their sin. God has become their enemy and will unleash his anger upon them. And I think of America today. And I think about how many people say, I, I don't want your God. I don't want to hear about your God. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear about him. I don't want to see him. I don't want anything to do with him. It's a sad place to be. And upon the prince, in chapter 21, 25 through 27, the wicked prince of Israel, Zedekiah, Judah's final ruler. Verse 25 we read, And thou profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come when iniquity shall have an end. Thus saith the Lord God, Remove the diadem, take off the crown, this shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low and abase him, that is high, I will overturn, overturn, overturn it, and it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it him. I, uh, sometimes people will bring up questions about leadership, of like who's leading our country. And my only hope in that is, I, I, as an individual, I can't do much to change that. Where I can in voting and things like that, I try. But I realize that some of that's just going to, God's just going to judge that, right? And he will. And it doesn't matter if they say there's no God or not. They'll find out one day. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and judgment will be there as a result of their wickedness and their lack of desire to follow him. It's always amazing to me how many uh, leaders claim some form of Christianity or religiosity, if you would. Um, you know, the, we have Catholic leaders and evangelical leaders, and yet, uh, the, you know, they turn totally against uh, God and the things of God because they want leadership and power and those type of things. By the way, I don't know if, uh, uh, if you've watched uh, any of the news but uh there's td jakes down uh at potter's house and uh, some wicked wicked stuff coming out about him and his his self-serving attitude and so forth and you know the people of god we ought to walk humbly before our god and we ought to seek to uh to lift up to pray for to encourage one another and yet it's amazing how many preachers in america are so self-serving it's about them. It's about what they can get and, and about all the fame and the fortune and all those kind of things. And yet we need to walk humbly with our God. And then there's the, the pagans. You know, here judgment is handed down against the Amorites for their many national sins. And uh, the Amorites had a lot. Uh, verses in chapter 21, verses 28 through 32, uh, God is going to bring judgment on them. Verse 28, he said, and thou, son of man, prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God concerning the Amorites and concerning their reproach, even say thou, The sword, the sword is drawn, for the slaughter it is furbished to consume because of the glittering, whilst they see vanity unto thee, whilst they uh, divine a lie unto thee, to bring thee upon the necks of them that are slain, 
of the wicked whose day is come, when their iniquity shall have no end. Shall I cause it to return into his uh, sheath? I will judge thee in the place where thou wast created, in the land of thy nativity. And I will pour out mine indignation upon thee. I will blow against thee in the fire of my wrath, and deliver thee into the hand of the breech man and skillful to destroy. Thou shalt be for fuel to the fire, thy blood shall be in the midst of the land, thou shalt be no more remembered, for I the Lord have spoken it. And so the judgment, the judgment's going to come. Then we see a couple of illustrations, uh, four actually, uh, in these portions of scripture, and we'll just kind of brush those real quick. Uh, the first illustration uh, what he does is he groans. And so, again, remember uh, Ezekiel's acting this out. And uh, verse 6, he said, Sigh, therefore, thou son of man, with the breaking of thy loins and with bitterness, sigh before their eyes, that, they might, that the people might see and recognize, hey, this is how God views your sin. And uh, he's going to bring judgment because of that. And what it means, in verse number 7, this will be Jerusalem's reaction to the Babylonian army marching against the city. For some reason, they think that they're going to be okay, and yet God's going to bring judgment upon them there in verse number 7. And the second illustration is found in verse number 12. It says, Cry and howl, son of man, for it shall be upon my people, it shall be upon all the princes of Israel, terrors by reason of the sword, shall be upon my people, smite therefore upon thy thigh. And so uh, he beats upon his thigh and he cries and he howls uh, to show that this judgment is coming. And uh, what it means, verses 8 through 11, is that soon the enemy swords will pierce through the hearts of Judah's people. No matter how much they cry and how, how much they might try some form of repentance, it's going to be too late, the judgment is fallen. The third illustration is found in verses uh, 13 through 70, 17 of chapter 21, and it's what he does. He claps his hands and slashes a sword from left to right. And there uh, in verses 13 through 16, uh, we, we read that this is what he does. He takes the sword, verse 15, I have set the point of the sword against all their gates that their heart may faint and their ruins uh, be multiplied. Ah, it is made bright. It is wrapped up for the slaughter. Go thee one way or another, uh, either to the right or to the left, whithersoever thy face is set, I will also smite thine hands together, and I will cause my fury to rest. The Lord has said it. And so he's going to bring this judgment against God's people with the sword. And then the final illustration that's here in chapter 21, verses 18 through 23. And he draws a map showing two roads with a fork in the middle. And he's basically saying, you have a choice to make. You have a decision here. You need to make it. And uh, it signifies the king of Babylon will decide to attack Jerusalem um, before the Amorite capital city of Rabban. They, they know this is going to happen, and they, they have to make a decision. They have to choose. Are they going to... Um, are they going to choose God, or are they going to choose to face the judgments that's coming? And I'll just tell you, I'm sure you know, that the people, when they get this far away from God, they end up getting a spanking. God ends up bringing judgment against them, trying to get their attention, and trying to get them to turn back to Him. And so our second point 
I told you there was two. The second point is Israel's restoration. Israel's restoration. It's chapter 20, verses 33 through 44. And um, it's in spite of their terrible sins, God will someday regenerate, regather, and restore his people. Verse 33. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out, will I rule over you. And I will bring you out of the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of people and there will I plead with you face to face. Like as I pled with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. And I will purge out from among you the rebels, and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord." As for you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, Go ye, serve ye every one his idols, and hereafter also, if ye will not hearken unto me, but pollute ye my holy name no more with your gifts and with your idols. For in my holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, saith the Lord God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them in the land, serve me, there will I accept them, and there will I require my offerings and the first fruits of your oblations with all of the holy things. And so God's again given them opportunity to come back to make the right choices, and yet the nation of Israel will choose to go its way into punishment. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your word and what we find uh, here in Ezekiel 20 and 21. And I pray that you would use that in our lives to help us in a closer relationship to you. Thank you for the time together tonight. We love you. We ask these things in your blessed, most holy name. Amen. I'm going to have Brother James come with our prayer requests at this time. <clears throat>